Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. How are you at the moment, Kieran? Where are you, by the way? I lose track of where you are on a daily basis. No, I'm, I'm, I'm home. I'm home. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning, so we're playing Villa this afternoon. So I've, I've got the dilemma, because it because of the, yeah, the, the World Cup getting in the way, this is our last home game before Christmas, so should I wear my Christmas jumper to the match? Oh, that depends. What's what's on your Christmas jumper, Kieran? Uh, reindeer. Uh, it's not at the moment, darling, but it's quite mild. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <laughs> God, oh, I was so wasn't I? <laughs> People are going to think we set that up deliberately. We did not set that up deliberately. <laughs> no. you, you can Christmas start on the 1st of October, Kieran. You can wear your Christmas jumper whenever okay, you want. I've got official approval. Yeah, and I hope, you enjoy, I hope you enjoy the football in a way that <laughs> I did not enjoy the football yesterday. I'm right. in a dilemma, Kieran. I'm not, I'm not normally Villa's biggest it's fair, but obviously, I, I want them to win today. I, I, actually, I quite like it. That's, that's where we got our kit from originally, in 1905. Um, right, fair enough. I'll, I'll get in trouble with Steve Parrish now for mentioning 1905. Obviously, <laughs> we're a much older football team than that. Uh, oh, yes. Our first question, Kieran, is question, questions day today, and our first question comes from Adam Nixon. Hello, Adam. And Adam says, on the final day of last season, my club Port Vale travelled to Exeter as they tried to secure a playoff place. The game sold out weeks beforehand and Port Vale had an application to the league approved to stream the game at Vale Park. My question is, did Port Vale have to pay any of the revenue made for the live stream at Vale Park to Exeter? If we owed Exeter money, did Exeter contribute to the cost of streaming the game? Yeah, good, it's a good one, this, from, it's from Adam. Interesting, interesting one, yeah. It is. Um, the EFL clubs had a, had a general meeting. Um, which we say do on a regular basis, which is understandable. And at that meeting, they agreed that the club that sells the streams keeps the revenue. So therefore, Port Vale would have kept 100% of the money. Now, this is this is the issue that our friend Andy Holt's unhappy about because yeah. <clears throat> you know, from his point of view, he says, you know, we're, we're a relatively small club in League One. Um, we are dependent upon clubs bringing large away attendances to help us um and and that potentially is going to to hit us uh, much harder than the other uh, other teams so i think yeah going forwards um yeah as as i think streaming is going to become more and more popular um especially you know given that so many people are us have got financial challenges um i suspect the efl will take a look at that distribution model to perhaps bring it uh, a, a little bit more of a more even distribution of that. Um, but and also in terms of the, the, the beanbacks, uh, the home team has to agree. So you know, in this particular case, Exeter would have been asked by Port Vale, do you object to a beanback? And what Exeter will have undoubtedly have said, well, provided you sell all the away tickets, Philly boots. Yeah, we, we we've got no issue with this. Um, and, and then uh, what happens? The those monies would have been kept. You know, for a beanbag, it would have been kept by Port Vale, but they would have also 
that would have obliged them to produce what's referred to as a gate statement um, with the EFL, and from that they pay a levy to the EFL for a, you know, a proportion of the of every ticket goes goes into a central pot for the for the running of the league and so on. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Being, I mean, Palace have had a couple of big backs and playoff games. One in particular at Sunderland, but uh, it sold out a playoff game. The away end's going to sell out within minutes. Normally, yeah. isn't it? I think even if people knew there was going to be a big back, I think you'd want to be at the actual the actual game. Do you, do you have any idea what sort of money is involved, Kieran? Would we know? Um, no, I mean, I I, I remember going to, to a bean back. Um, remember in COVID, things started to relax a little bit. And I think we paid a tenner to go and watch the match at the Amex uh, right. against somebody or other. Um, so it, it would simply depend upon the number of uh, of tickets sold. But normally, yeah, I, th- I think the going rate would be a tenner. Certainly, uh, as far as the, the the rates for the EFL I follow service, that 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 works out as ten pounds per match. So I'd imagine it might be uh, either that, or it might be a wee bit higher if you're doing it in a lounge uh, for a beanbag. So it, right. it would it would very much vary from club to club. Uh, you mentioned Andy Holt. For new listeners, he's the owner of Accrington Sterling. And also for newer listeners, his major problem with streaming is it, it started several years ago simply for overseas fans to be able to tune into games. And inevitably, that's been added to and added to. And his, his prediction right from the start is that at some stage, every game will be available to stream and that will inevitably affect the income of clubs like Accrington. Absolutely. Our next question comes from Jonathan Cable. Uh, Jonathan says, I have some questions for the pod about how the Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland games moving to a fairly unknown streaming platform in 2024 came about. When did you wait for centralised rights? Will it benefit the respective FAs? Are they stuck with these deals? And will those in those countries be left asking Uncle Terry when we can watch? And <laughs> um, yeah, this is. I think this is a deal done with um, Premier Sports, who are now via play. They appear to be a Norwegian organization um and it costs 15 pounds a month if you uh if, if you want fireplace sports service and they've got some uh, some american franchises some obscure sports if you want la liga as well um what what uefa appear to have done is that uh, because the world cup's taking place um there's there's some friendly matches also taking place, and I think that this might involve the Nations League in some other countries as well, um, where they they have sold the rights. But yeah, my view is who's who's going to attend these friendlies, especially if they sort of coincide or overlap with the World Cup. Um, yeah, I can't see any attendances. Also, UEFA have said that uh, individual nations cannot force clubs to release players. So um, if, if we take a look at uh, at Scotland, I think they've got one of these matches. Republic of Ireland got some of these matches. Norway are playing these matches as well. Um, but Celtic have said, well, we, we, we've arranged a uh, Australian tour yeah. for, for the next few weeks. Um, and uh, as we don't have to let our players go, uh, we'll, we'll keep them. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'd, we'd much rather they play, Yeah, they, they train and uh, get get uh, more experience with uh, the rest of the squad, so it, it does seem to be a bit of an own goal. Um, these, these people, Premier Sports, I know, I know they sponsor football in in Scotland. They do appear to have a closer relationship there, but it does seem, you know, uh, yeah, fifteen pounds a month. That, that's more than you pay for your TV license for 
relatively niche sport. So, um, you know, we, we do not uh, condone or encourage people to get dodgy sticks, but I suspect that there will be a demand for them. Um, and, 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 you know, as we've said in recent weeks, that that is becoming more and more common. You know, the number of yeah. you know, WhatsApp groups that you're on where people say, can anybody get me a stick? I go, well, yeah. Not getting it from me. I don't, I don't know anything about this. I'll keep keep away from it. But uh, it, it does seem to be becoming more and more popular. And 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 the the increased diversification is that the right word or dis, um, of rights into more and more rights holders, so that you now need three, four, five subscriptions. Um, I, I think is going to reach a tipping point as far as football fans are concerned. Yes, worth pointing out that it's not just Scotland that Celtic aren't releasing players for. They're not releasing players to any team, uh, mm. not in the World Cup, basically, who want to play friendlies during that time. Um, UEFA did, part of the Nations League deal was, was that UEFA centralised the broadcasting rights deal, wasn't it, in order to get a better deal for those those smaller UEFA nations that are, you know, what wouldn't be asked to play those lucrative friendlies against England. Someone like Gibraltar, for example, who very, you know, England are not going to ask Gibraltar to play in a friendly. Gibraltar mm. haven't got the money to pay England to play them in a friendly. So part of the Nations League idea was that the, the broadcasting rights for that would be centralised and the money split evenly. So a team like Gibraltar would get some money at least. Is that right? Yep, yep, that sounds fair. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we're getting near kickoff, aren't we? Which is why you're normally you're you're only too keen to illuminate. <laughs> I can hear I, well, no, what 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 UEFA I have been reading about is that the the Nations League could be expanded to um, other FIFA associations. I think it's the Conmicol, which is I'll, I'll lose track of which one it is, but um, that there have been talks that the the next Nations League could could involve more than just countries affiliated to UEFA. Um, and I'm not saying it will be a threat to the, the FIFA World Cup, but uh, it's it will be, you know, if, if we have the likes of Brazil and Argentina involved, it would certainly increase interest. Well, it would in Liechtenstein, certainly, or Gibraltar. <laughs> I, I, nothing would surprise me, Kieran. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still sulking about Australia being the Eurovision. That's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you, know my, that's what, you know my ability to sulk. That's why I'm so annoyed about yesterday's dismal performance because I've got five weeks to sulk about that. I haven't got the consolation of a game at Sellers Park to cheer me up. This World Cup is another reason. Well, I know it's I know it's the least of the reasons why the World Cup shouldn't be in the Qatar here, but it's... <laughs> uh, now, our next question apparently comes from Brian Snowden. Um, my apologies, Brian. I'm, I'm wondering whether uh, producer Guy is, you know, in his haste toss this script off to us as he does minutes before we do the show uh, has got that name wrong it's meant to be Brian Snowden if, in, in which case it's either Brian Snowden or Brian Snowden it's a lovely name either way and it's a very good question <coughs> excuse me Brian says I understand why clubs sell a high number of tickets to tourist fans who will pay crazy prices to see one of the big clubs in the best league in the world which he's put in inverted commas which I'm taking <laughs> as an indication of sarcasm um, these fans also spend a lot more in the club shop than local fans. This got me thinking: Has any research been done on average brackets mean and mode, Kieran? <laughs> the fans, <laughs> the average mean and mode fans spend at games, and how has this changed? Well, this this is uh, spreadsheet heaven for me, as you can imagine. Um, 
If we take a look at uh, the most recent season, which was not impacted by COVID, which was 2018-19, as far as the financial results are concerned, um, the the average, the mean um, revenue per fan per seat um, was £29.88, which you might think, well, that's that's actually not too bad in the Premier League. and but remember that that includes uh, kid seats, yeah, that includes uh, concessions, oh, oh you know, uh, senior citizens, uh, and so on. Um, but then I went, I went in and I, and I did it on a club by club, match by match basis, uh, put all the figures together, and what we saw in the Premier League was was a huge difference. Um, if we take a look at Liverpool, for for example, um, the average take per fan per seat was £59.88. Now, you might go, Jesus Christ, yeah, that, that does seem steep. But remember, Liverpool only sell 50% of capacity of Anfield to season ticket holders. Yeah. So therefore, they, they do make a lot of money from um, you know, individual match ticket sales. Um, that will, of course, uh, include what they generate from uh, hospitality packages. And uh, yeah, L- Liverpool is so popular that uh, what they are now doing is they are hiring Aintree Racecourse uh, before the match um, and doing the pre-match you know, food, uh, chat with a chat with a legend and so on, and then bussing people, bussing these people in with their match ticket. And, and they're still standing out on these. And, and I've, I've seen some of the prices that are being charged. You know, when they are, they, they, it, it's a very, very lucrative part of the market. So, so Liverpool were, were at the top at £59.88. Um, and at the other end, we had Huddersfield, who were also in the Premier League that season. The average uh, that Huddersfield were charging their fans was £10.75. So there was a huge range. Um, and uh, Palace, for as you might be interested, Palace were, were £18.51. So, so Palace were uh, below the mean. They were also below the median of £21.83. Um, you, you can... You can you probably sense the, the big smile I've got on my face going through these numbers. Um, and... <laughs> And, and then Brian, Brian also said um, how this has changed. So I I went into the season 1992-93, and to give you some comparison, because Liverpool and Palace were, were both in the Premier League in that season, um, Liverpool uh, was, was an average of £12.72. So they've gone from £12.72 to £59.88. And at Palace in 92-93, um, the average was just £5.37. For the first season of the Premier League, which seems, you know, seems very reasonable, but then, you know, you got you got kids, you've got pensioners, you've got season ticket holders, and, and it's actually probably a fair price. So certainly, you know, the, these prices have hugely advanced ahead of inflation. I think inflation's around about ninety percent. Um, you know, palaces have tripled, Liverpool's have gone up by you know, a factor of over four and a half. So, so there is indicative of. Uh, being a football fan is, uh, is is taking up an increased slice of uh, of your uh, disposable income. Yeah, last time my dad, God rest his soul, went to Palace or paid to go to Palace, uh, he didn't because we turned up first game of the season. He was with me and my mates, and it had gone up to a fiver to get in. And he went, "I'm not paying a fiver to see that shit," and he went home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and. Uh, the only, the only time he ever came back afterwards was when we were in some sort of hospitality thing, which he graciously accepted. I'm, I'm struggling to understand, Kip. That, that, 
that the, the, the Palace mean, median, average, knowing how much some of the tickets are, that seems incredibly low, that average. I can't work out how it can only be that that small amount. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how much your season ticket works out per match. More than that. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, Palace have got a big, you know, they've got a large number of under-18s, under-21 tickets. Yeah, that's true. Um, you, you factor that in, uh, you know, senior citizen tickets are, are lower as well. Um, and, and remember, these figures that I'm quoting are net of VAT. So oh, you know, that, <laughs> it's how much does the club generate per ticket rather than how much is it. Been. So you'd have to well, add on a wee bit for VAT on top. I factored in, Kieran, it was net of VAT. That was the first <laughs> thing that sprang to my mind. Um, also, I'm trying to get over yesterday's result and so far we've done nothing but talk about Crystal Palace it's got to stop um, our next question comes from Sam <laughs> you'll be unlucky now <laughs> our next question comes from Sam I'm, I'm, I hope I pronounce this right Sam but it's Sam Cronja or possibly Cronja Sam says I love the podcast and learning much about the underbelly of the world game in July four Premier League teams oh Jesus including Crystal Palace <laughs> played friendlies in Perth Clearly, they were enticed by money to come, but what was the likely payday for the clubs and how would this money have been split? I'm particularly interested in this question, Kieran, not the, the Palace link, but doing some research for another project into Tottenham's pre-season tour to South Korea. And clearly, they made a shed load of money. It's a sensible place mm. for Tottenham to go, considering that they've got the captain of the South Korean men and women's team playing for them. But it's very difficult to pin down how exactly how much they did Make so I'd be interested because there are quite a few eyebrows raised when it was announced that Palace were going to uh, Australia, and when the yeah. and when the packages you know just two and a half thousand pounds to follow the boys down under, which not many people took up. You'd be amazed to hear. Yeah. So I would be I'm yeah. interested in the answer to this question. Um, yes, it, it it is normally negotiated between a promoter and an individual football club, and, and I've got to be honest here. The promoters are interested in you know half a dozen clubs in the Premier yeah. League. So if we take a look at Manchester United, um, uh, because they do they do split out uh, the monies in their accounts um, in twenty eighteen nineteen again last season before COVID, uh, they generated eleven million pounds from uh, pre season friendlies for for their promotional fees. Um, now that that's more than. I think around about half a dozen clubs in the Premier League generate for the whole season from from ticket sales. So, so it, it can be very lucrative. Um, I think for the for the non greedy sick clubs, whatever we want to call them, the non Super League uh, elite, um, you you might get a modest fee, um, mainly because it, you're a bit like you remember when the uh, the Harlem Globetrotters used to go on tour, and there would be always be an opposing side. Um, you you are you are the make weights because yeah. the the reason why the tickets sell and this is this is not me having a go at Palace or or Brighton or or, or Villa or any other club, uh, you know, un, unless you've got a big expat fan base. So so Leeds, for example, they do have a big uh, fan base in Australia, so they would have been able to get you know a half decent fee. I think I think for the some of the smaller clubs, you you'll get a nominal fee, you'll get your costs covered, and you'll get a bit more, and that's about as far as it goes um, because. You are you are not the reason why the tickets are selling. It's because they want to go and see you know, 
Cristiano Ronaldo and Fernandez and so on. Yeah, yeah, and rightly or wrongly, Manchester United uh, leverage on that, and yeah, death. People come to see their employees. They're entitled to negotiate as good a fee as they can. They can generate. But I think for for the smaller clubs, I, I know I know we at Brighton. We're, we're I think we're planning a a, a US tour uh, next summer. Um, I I can't see uh, us getting a big fee from it because we're, we're not big enough in our own right to sell tickets. I I assumed, Kieran, when you said Brighton were planning a tour, it was going to be the vineyards of Bordeaux. <laughs> or possibly, possibly a light cruise down the road. Um, Leeds, Leeds were involved in this uh, tournament that Palace played in. Uh, yes. Uh, which wasn't a particularly friendly game, uh, by all accounts. Oh. Uh, yeah, interesting question, that one, though. I like, thank you, Sam. Uh, now, next question comes from. Oh, speaking of which, though, this just reminded me. Anecdotally, uh, Chevrolet, the huge, huge deal that Chevrolet did with Man United apparently came about because they were so impressed with the amount of people that turned up when United went on a pre-season tour of China. And they, they said the interest was such that they thought this clearly is a global brand and up the price accordingly. Whether that's true or not, whether you have any insight to that, I don't know, Kieran, but as you're, as you're in... I've, I've, good. I've not heard of that one, okay. but it, it would sound about true. But, uh, there's been lots of eyebrows raised about the amount that, that Chevrolet did... Uh, sponsoring in Manchester United, especially given that in the UK, Chevrolet's sales yes. uh, were 16 a year. Um, so yeah, you, you'd have to share, yeah, and it didn't move as a result of that sponsorship, but yeah, they might have claimed it, it moved elsewhere around the planet. I think it went down in, in the UK, didn't it? it did, yes, yes. <laughs> Certainly in Liverpool, the sales of Chevrolet's in Liverpool went through the floor. Um, Matty, just Matty, says, uh, came across a show by accident that have since been binging all the previous episodes. Love what you guys do. Uh, apologies if this has been asked before, but do football teams actually make money from FIFA video games, or is it more just free publicity? Um, two things, Kieran. This is one of those questions that we have actually talked about before, but I'm happy to revisit for newer listeners. Uh, also, you could, I don't know how you come across a podcast by accident. Uh, yes. a, ra- a radio I, you know, I, I occasionally get bored I say occasionally, quite often during the day we'll get bored and we'll start flicking through the channels and think oh, there's a new Christmas channel, I might watch something on this, every now and again you're li- listening to the radio and you'll come across, a, but how you, I don't know how you come across a pod by accident but I'm glad that Matthew has done and I'm glad that he really likes it um, and do you have an answer to the question Kieran? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, the, the how how you come across podcasts by accident is as an avid podcast listener because I spend half of my life writing and uh, marking exams. So therefore, I have something on in the background. If you if you decide you're going to look at a, a football podcast, what it will do is it will pick up from that and it will then start to suggest normally some some alternatives. Um, ah. So so I think uh, I think we are. Uh, because we yeah we do we do okay for ourselves as far as the charts are concerned um we, we do we do come up on people's recommendation list and yeah that, and that's and, that, and the first thing that people look at is you know what what are the uh what, what are the the average scores and we, we're doing quite well at 4.9 out of five um which from what you say is possibly not what many of the palace players would have got yesterday <laughs> in, in terms of their performance um thank you for that Garrett. <laughs> okay. you, you, you've okay. also asked you, you've answered the least important part of that question first but there you are <laughs> <laughs> right um so 
as, as far as uh, the relationship between uh, Konami, who do Pro Evolution Soccer, and Electronic Arts, uh, who do FIFA, um, it, it's quite a complex one because that as far as uh, Electronic Arts are concerned, they have a naming rights deal, first of all, with FIFA. And FIFA do ridiculously well out of this because yeah. FIFA put zero zero into this and they've been getting 150 million dollars per year purely because you know if you if, if you watch uh, you know if you're watching matches if you're watching commercial tv you will see lots of adverts for uh, fifa 23 it's uh, it's one of the biggest sellers as far as electronic arts are concerned uh, electronic arts is estimated to have made more than 20 billion dollars from the sales of this one game alone so fifa said oh well you're you're doing all right are this uh, yeah, can, can we have a bigger slice and uh, fifa have turned around and you know effectively given them the the middle finger with regards to this and they have set up it would appear um they've they've set up something called EA Sports FC. So I think from from 2024, I think that's when the license expires. Um, uh, it's no longer going to be called you know, FIFA 23 or, or FIFA 24. It's going to be uh, EA Sports FC 24. And they've also now signed a sponsorship deal with La Liga. So they're going to try to get this brand name out. Um, what's uh, FIFA say? Well, we're, we're, we're going to set up our own computer game. But the trouble is that they've got no experience of doing so. Um, and whether yeah, Jenny Infantino from his uh, from from his new apartment in Qatar, where he's decided to relocate himself, <laughs> which seems a bit of a strange thing to do. Um, whether he has the skills to do that, I'm not so certain. Um, now, in addition to FIFA just giving its name, we have a licensing agreement between uh, FIFA Pro. Now, FIFA Pro is the footballers' union. And what FIFA Pro do is they say, well, we will allow you to use our members' names and likenesses. So, you, um, and some some of, some of these likenesses are are a bit bit hit and miss. I'll, I'll be honest, um, but uh, yeah, FIFA Pro is, is protecting uh, its members' rights. And I, and I know that some of the individual members aren't happy about that. I think uh, 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 Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example, he's he's in a bit of a grizzle yeah. about it. And then there's a third set of licensing between um, electronic arts and the individual clubs. And what they do is that they sign individual deals. So, again, there is a pecking order in football. Real Madrid, Manchester United, Bayern Munich will be able to um, generate more money from this than, you know, with with no disrespect, somebody like Reading or or, or Morecambe um, because... When people play the games, they're more likely to want to play as the you know, the, the more uh, glamorous sort of uh, global clubs. Um, and, and we have seen a bit of a spat recently between Electronic Arts and Juventus. So yeah. Juventus didn't like the amount of money that was offered by Electronic Arts. So so they saw their arse and, and they went off and signed up with the, the rivals who are Konami with Pro Evolution Soccer, where you can't use the names of the clubs and there has to be subtle changes and changes of badges and so on. And it and it looks just a bit, it looks, you know, a bit 
bit like a nine bob note, you know, in, in the sense that it's not not quite the real thing, but you, but you know what they're trying to get across. Um, but Juventus have now come back into the uh, the electronic arts fold um, from twenty three twenty four, and and uh, you know they're they're very keen to uh, to, to promote. And they've also got quite some, you know, uh, I, I do like a Juventus shirt, so it's always a good one to have in realism. I, I don't know if you saw Kieran, and we shouldn't really laugh at inept criminals. Uh, but there was a, uh, a young man in Newcastle who was forging £10 notes um, and unfortunately uh, <laughs> put them down as £10 notes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was astonished when they were tracked down to... <laughs> um, I, if I was one of your students, Kieran, I'm, I'm not entirely sure I'd be happy that Sir was marking my exam whilst listening to a, a true crime podcast, waiting, <laughs> waiting to hear Uncle Terry's voice one more time. It's... I, I think you should be paying more attention. And, and talking of uh, students, Kieran, our next question comes from Khalid Ali. Uh, and I like the cut of Khalid Ali's gym. I really do. <laughs> I like his honesty. Khalid says, I'm a big fan of the pod, as it gave me an edge in completing my master's in sports management. Congratulations, Khalid. I always magically had talking points in class, and I owe you both that honour, which is exactly the sort of thing I do, is listen, hear something on the radio and then pass it off as my own. Information. Well done, Carly. <laughs> uh, my question is about sponsorship in football broadcasting. Um, when we compare it to the NBA and NFL, football has nowhere near as many sponsors on our screens at any one time. I'm not necessarily saying we should have, but how long will it be before we have VAR calls sponsored by Specsavers? Very funny. Or handball checks sponsored by some massive company who may or may not be related to hands. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's nothing to do with with Donald Trump. Then, <laughs> well, you could have you could have a watch manufacturer or a, 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 a wet. Yeah, yeah. Who's in charge of this? Would it be the Premier League and the competitions that have VAR, or would it be the broadcaster showing the game and therefore the VAR calls are their property to sell sponsorships for? I don't like the idea of more sponsors, but it does seem like somebody is leaving money on the table. I'm just not quite sure who. I mean, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, extra extra mm. time, you know, in, injury time is brought to you by. Uh, Hublo, I believe it is, isn't it? And, and some yep. clubs have specific yep. deals for um, we're going into a, a, in injury time sponsored by a local company. So it's a it's a fair point. I'm with Khalid. I don't want to see more sponsorship, but it does seem that there's there's exploitation to be had here, Kieran. Well, um, this will have been discussed at Premier League level. Well, let's let's be honest about this, and I think it's a case of waiting for the check to be big enough because ah, okay. what they don't want to do is is to is to sell off the rights for a relatively low sum because if you if you, if you negotiate for a a, a a small fee to begin with then trying to ask people to pay treble the next time round becomes yeah, more yeah. difficult so so I, I think the premier league is is playing a bit of cat and mouse with regards to this um if anybody's ever watched uh matches overseas I mean, I, you know, I, I do a fair bit of traveling and uh if, if you get to see premier league games quite often what you will see is sort of in the you know in that in that top couple of inches of the screen or the bottom you will see effectively as well as the perimeter advertising you will see advertising on a local basis as well now i suspect the reason why the the premier league has not sold those rights to date is simply because um it's centrally has uh, arrangements with sponsors, which is divided equally between all 20 Premier League clubs at present, at least. Um, and it also has some central sales of adverts. So you might you you might have a 
a deal which is effectively signed by the Premier League and all 10 home games on a particular weekend, there will be um, advertising you know, on, on the perimeter for you know, w- w- product X or Y. Um, and what the Premier League doesn't want is the perimeter advertising trying to compete with the advertising on the screen for other products because that reduces the exclusivity of the perimeter advertising product. But we are seeing more and more invention as far as perimeter advertising is concerned. Yeah, we've spoken before uh, about different uh, different sets of viewers or different broadcasters effectively showing different adverts in different countries, such is the degree of sophistication that we now have um, within the broadcasting realm. And if anybody was watching uh, the, the Manchester City versus Brentford match yesterday, you say, blimey, those, those perimeter ads, advertising hoardings have got very big. Manchester City have doubled the size of them yeah. and, and they're able to, and what they've worked out is that they make more money from that than they do from the, the, ticket, from the, the seats which have been foregone. So you know, everything is is monitored. Every opportunity is always considered, uh, in my view, at Premier League level. And when the size of the check is big enough, then they'll probably say yes. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you and Khalid here. Um, you know, I, I, I just want, I just want to see the football. We accept that there's going to be ads at the match itself. That's fine. Um, but I, I suspect there'll be more and more encroachment onto what we consider as fans to be things which we perhaps hold a little bit more sacrosanct. I was watching a big match revisited the other day, um, oh. which is, again, I've got a lot of time on my hands during the day, Kieran, as you know. Um, it was a Palace game from 1970. I just, I just got quite emotional seeing there's an advert for a shirt shop in Croydon on the perimeter hoarding. It's like, imagine that. You'll never see that. Well, you won't see a shirt shop in Croydon again, but just, just an advert for a shirt shop. Which, in my memory, was there for about twelve years, because that's advert. That, adverts just didn't change. You had the same advert. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on the Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Our next question comes from uh, our friend in Australia, Larkin Hobel, who has a magical ability to get all these questions asked on his show. I can only assume, Kieran, he has some photographs of producer guy in an embarrassing situation. Maybe just <laughs> maybe he's got a picture of producer guy holding a five pound note, which producer guy doesn't want anyone anyone to see. We we don't know. Luckily, Larkin's questions tend to be quite interesting, so I'd be I'd love to know the secret of Larkin's success. Uh, like he says, is Kieran aware of any studies on the economics of the knockoff shirt market? Some of those populous places, Brazil, Southeast Asia, are football mad and also filled with opportunities to, to purchase knockoff kits from street vendors or local markets. Not just there, Larkin. Two, <laughs> <laughs> two, 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 two
Any idea about the size and value of this market? Do clubs or manufacturers sell their shirts at cut prices in large markets with low purchasing power in order to compete with the knockoffs? I suppose the difficulty is, Kieran, when it's a, an unofficial underground market, it's very difficult to get a sense of what the economics are, isn't it? It is, yes. So um, I know that there was a report done in terms of the total value of counterfeit goods, um, and that was estimated, I think, around about four hundred and thirty billion. So, billion. To give that some sort of context. Billion. billion. Um, yeah. Now that's wow. yeah, that's that, that's your yeah, that's your your dodgy Gucci yeah, yeah. Gucci bag from Turkey and so on. Um, to give that some form of context, that's around about four times the NHS budget in a normal Holy year. Mother. So, you know, it, they they are huge. Um, <clears throat> It, it, a lot of it comes down to supply and demand. So um, there was a recent, uh, uh, there was a random inspection at, uh, at Newcastle Airport a couple of months ago, um, and they they uncovered a couple of boxes of, of snide shirts, um, most of which were, were Newcastle. Um, a couple, yes, yeah. a few Liverpool, few few Real Madrid. And the thing is, these 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 are being sold at the the markets for twenty five pounds a pop now. If you take a look at the the price of a you know, a a genuine shirt, yeah. um, you, you probably yeah you, Liverpool are charging seventy quid yeah, pop yeah, these yeah. seasons. Yeah, as for England, yeah. and you go yeah you know, even our clubs we're around about the fifty mark. Yeah, well, yeah, especially it's it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be out of fashion. Well, it's out of fashion within within weeks, yeah. but um, you know, it's only going to last a year in theory. Um, so. There, there is a market, and and you know again we're we're not condoning or 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 justifying it, but what we have seen is that the manufacturers of football shirts have gone down exactly the same route as the the broadcasters of football, and the amounts that they charge are accelerating ahead of general inflation. Therefore, this creates a a a, de- a demand from people who are saying, well, you know, we're not getting. Uh, as much money as we thought you know, in our pay packets, yeah. and, and we can't afford to to buy two or three shirts, so therefore we we'll, we'll go for the knockoffs. Um, in terms of the other markets, I mean, uh, football shirts are you know, if, if if you go to the Adidas shirt, the Adidas shirt shop or the, the the Nike shop in in New York or Cape Town or whatever, you you will pay top dollar. So if, if we take the, the Liverpool shirt for example, um, I took a look at that this morning, and that that would cost you thirteen hundred rand in South Africa, which is what sixty four quid. That compares to seventy now uh, for the Liverpool shirt. So that, yeah, there's there's there might be a wee bit of difference, but but not not very much. And certainly when I've I've been um, I normally teach in in uh, New York each summer. Um, when, when I go across there, the price for football shirts is extortionate. Yeah, you because know, you always used to think that you know, New York would be a lot cheaper than than the UK, but it actually works out considerably higher because people are prepared to pay for for brands. And also, there's I mean, there's certainly a culture in in the US, uh, you know, that that sports apparel is very very expensive, um, and and it's just seen as the norm. So um, as far as South America and Asia is concerned. It's likely that what we will see is the likes of you know, Nadid- Nike, Adidas, Puma, and so on. They will have their official stores um, in in, uh, in Seoul, in Tokyo, in, in Brasilia, and so on. And um, they will charge the full price, and they will simply just accept as it, it goes with the territory 
that there will be lots and lots of street vendors and, and you know people running around in in knockoff shirts. So at least we know now what uh, if Nike and Adidas combine, uh, we know what they'll be called. Adidas. Yes. Uh, I mean, as you alluded, Kieran, there, there won't be many people with sympathy for big clubs who are losing money to this market because it's quite simple. If you want people to buy your shirts, don't charge 75 quid is the answer, isn't it? Mm. Um, our penultimate question comes from Mark Goodchild. And again, it's one of those simple questions that you think, oh, I, I, I'd really quite like to know the answer to that question. Um, when clubs get big chunks of money like parachute payments, do the banks charge a transfer fees? like an individual would be charged with uh, when they transfer money for a mortgage? If so, how much? Right. Um, as, as far as domestic payments are concerned, the, the answer is uh, that, that I don't think there will be an individual amount uh, from a uh, from parachute payments or from a broadcasting payment because we are dealing with multi-million pound businesses. So therefore, um, you know, the banks will, will have a, a standard set of fees, but, but there won't be anything additional for these except in the case of international transfers um so so here the banks because they have to go through uh, a little bit of extra due diligence and so on they will charge an amount of money um yeah it, it, again it, it won't be uh, huge sums um but the the clubs will be anxious to get deals across the line as quickly as they can so they get their first installments paid um but it, it, it's going to be you know, in tens of pounds rather than hundreds or thousands because, uh, you know, from the bank's point of view, it's the same amount of work that they do uh, to to transfer a thousand pounds from an account in Spain to the UK as it is for for ten million. But, you know, it's 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 a click of a switch. So therefore, it's it's actually very difficult for them to justify uh, things on a percentage basis. Right, we have one last question, Kieran. Which once we get that answered. You can start preparing your quinoa sandwich for this afternoon. But, uh, of course, we also want to get, if, if, there's, if people have noticed an element of haste in doing this podcast, it's because we want to watch England's run chase in the 2020 World Cup final. It would take a lot of doing for a country to lose two World Cup finals and a, and a rugby league semi-final in one weekend, Kieran. But England England could manage that. If anyone's going to pull that, that unique triple off, it will, be, it will be England. And our last question comes from Phil Chater. Um, and Phil's question is this. My dad's hometown team, Gateshead, were promoted from the National League North to the National League as champions last season. My question is, what, if any, are the financial differences between these leagues? With Gateshead already full-time, there will be little change on that score, but will there be an increase in player wages or would they be roughly similar? And as the distance travelled in the National League North are already large, so for example to Hereford or Kidderminster, will those costs have increased significantly? Um, as far as the National League itself is concerned, Phil, we, we do have restricted amounts of data available. So uh, you know, uh, for, for my sins, as, as people are probably aware, I, I actually do still collect all of the accounts of National League, National League North and National League South uh, clubs are concerned. But um, because they are below a, a certain threshold, they don't have to show wage data, income data, and so on. So it's actually very difficult to pick up accurate figures. Um, I suspect there will be um, a an uplift in wages simply because you are signing players who are from the National League or of, of the National League standard, and it's going to be a wee bit higher than that of the National League North. Um, when, it, when we take a look at the wages of clubs in the 
in the National League itself. The only figures that I could find gave us gave us a pretty wide range of of a total wage bill of between 1.4 to 3.3 million. Now, those are for the clubs that are submitting the data. I suspect there's a you know, the majority of the clubs aren't submitting any data, and therefore there will be quite a few with a with a lower wage budget than that. Um, in respect of the um, the the transport costs. Um, the the issue there, and, and you know, we 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 spoke to, or rather, I picked up from Eastbourne Borough that they they were saying that uh, the average cost for them was, has gone up from around about four hundred and fifty quid to nine hundred quid for a for a coach trip for a day for hiring. That's more to do with increased fuel costs and insurance costs um, and, and labour costs and so on, rather than the distance being travelled. So um, I, I don't think the the move up from National League to, uh, North to National League will be the biggest driver there. It will, it's more to do with the fact that uh, you know, we, we are having to pay substantially higher fuel costs and, and that's where it's going to hit, not just Gateshead, but all clubs um, at that level disproportionately higher because you know it's, uh, it, it's, it's a league where you're not generating uh, you know, hugely, hugely increased revenues. I think what what Gateshead will notice, however, is the National League. It is Division Five um, now. Yeah, you know, it, it does look it does look pretty damn good, um, and, and they will they will have a noticeable increase in the number of away fans that uh, that are attending. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the case for having three up, three down is, is getting ever bigger. Um, uh, but you, you know, from from if, if I was an EFL club, I wouldn't want it, and if I was a National League yeah. club, I would want it for for, for for self-interest reasons. And we've always said, you know, we we can understand why why clubs do vote the way that they do. And, and what about in terms of uh, increased income, Kieran, for Phil's dad's hometown team? Uh, 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 it, the National League North and South already part of the National League broadcasting deal, or, or is that a new thing for them when they get promoted? No, no, they're all part of the same. But in terms of the way the money is split. Um, it is very much geared towards the National League um, itself. Um, and that did create an awful lot of uh, big issues um, when when the government gave its uh, package uh, of support to the National League. Um, and, and without wanting to plug anything, I'm about to plug a film called Gates Money, yeah. which is uh, which is coming out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm going along to see that AFC Wimbledon uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, it, it's it, it's a fascinating documentary into uh, the politics and the uh, the conflicts that exist, uh, not just at Premier League or Super League level, but uh, National League itself can also be a complete nest of vipers. It, it sounds like there's not much difference in the finances then between National League North and South and, and League Two then, probably, is there? Or? Well, I, I think the, the, the big pickup between between National League and National League North and South, I think you're picking up the, the extra bits of revenue. You're more likely to be picked by BT Sport, so therefore you'll get the money from, from the live games that right, are being right. shown. You'll pick up higher attendances, and that's about as far as it goes. When you go up to League Two, you then do get some substantial benefit, financial benefits because you get the solidarity payments from the Premier League, which are probably worth... Uh, combined with the EFL TV deal itself, probably worth around about 1.2 million. So that that would have a sizable impact. At the same time, of course, you're you're competing at 
EFL level, um, and you know, wait, wages are are accordingly, uh, you know, a, a wee bit higher, but perhaps not as much higher as, as people uh, expect. Because what we what we have seen is wage inflation in the uh, the bottom couple of leagues is not as high as it is in uh, in the Premier League and the Championship. And you know, you collect accounts. Can you yes. can you do swaps with other people of, of a like mind? Can you suddenly go? Oh, I've got I've got two Stevenages. Has anyone got a Mansfield? <laughs> or are you the, are you the only collector on a full time basis? <laughs> I, I, I suspect um, I suspect I am, I, I, people say where to get them from. I, I get them from um, Company's House, and uh, I have now been contacted by Company's House. I think I might have said this before, but I've been contacted by Company's House. Will, will I write an article about um, ha- how I've managed to get uh, the accounts of the best part of two hundred clubs a year, and what I do with them, and and so on? So, um, if, if, if I thought my life was any duller, um, I, I would think it would struggle. But uh, it's it's a fascinating set of resource um, if. If you want to look at the business of football, you know, and, yeah, we, we, and we've said many times before, nobody falls in love with football uh, purely for the amortisation. Uh, I, I think we all assumed it was Company's House you were getting them from, Kieran, rather than Panini. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think a lot, when you told me that you'd been contacted by Company's House, I, my heart sank because I thought, oh, crikey, here it is at last. The restraining order we've all been expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution with them, that would be very kind of you. And please go to patreon.com slash price of football. We do still have, I think it's about two tickets. And I know I say this every week. I think people are swapping tickets for the live show, Kieran. Um, Plymouth Argyles Home Park, Tuesday the 13th of December. One or two tickets are still available for Plymouth Argyles website. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, if you're not Larkin Hogel, give it a try at questions at priceoffootball.com. We should be back on Thursday with some news, uh, football news, not new news for you. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Um, as always, thank you so much for our Patreon subscribers. We uh, we, we really appreciate that. Uh, we know you don't have to do it, and you do it out of uh, a sense of, of affection for the show. So it is hugely appreciated. Um, another way that you can uh, show us some groovy vibes is to go onto your uh, podcast app, uh, even if you've even if you've come across us by accident, and uh, if you can give us five stars, if you, if you think we're worth it, we're, we're averaging four point four point nine, and I'm, I'm I'm absolutely chuffed to bits with that, uh, as we all are at the team. Um, it doesn't matter what you say in the narrative if you choose to do any narrative at all. You could even say you would rather have the show produced and presented by Andy Gray and Reggie Cray. And it wouldn't make a bit of difference to us. Well, which which Andy Gray are we talking about? Are you talking about Palace legendary midfielder Andy Gray, or are you talking about the wrong Andy Gray who would, it would make a big difference? That I'd put my foot down, Kim. Oh. That one. <laughs> right. I, I think we both probably know the stories about the latter. We do indeed. There's a couple of stories about the former, Kieran, but of, 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 <laughs> yes. of interest of interest only to Palace fans. I think you'll find. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football.
that provides some photo quality.